Before moving here, I lived in Massachusetts. And a few years ago, this time of the year, in a nearby, extremely wealthy town, the school administrators invited all of the graduating high school seniors on a dinner and dancing cruise in Boston Harbor. The simple and generous idea, celebrate graduation. Imagine the lovely scene, a warm Saturday evening, ocean breezes, the smell of a delicious dinner wafting through the air, the twinkle of lights along the shore. However, earlier, a group of the high school seniors sneaked alcohol onto the boat and before anyone knew what was happening, they were throwing food and dumping it down stairways, setting off fire alarms, spraying fire extinguishers, yelling, breaking glass and dishes, and generally carrying on like monsters. It was staggering. And you could say that, well, those young people in that particular town, they have it all. They live in mansions. They drive luxury cars. They take and have taken every music lesson and sports camp and, and, and imaginable. And they've traveled the globe on summer vacation. And by every measure, you could say that these young people have been encouraged to succeed. And yet, when given a very special gift, an evening cruise, these young people already in possession of so many gifts smashed this one to bits. But this isn't the end of the story. Understandably, the school administrators were apoplectic. They were so furious. And immediately they suspended the 20 students involved. And then, shockingly, the parents pushed back. They were unhappy with their children, yes, but they were even more unhappy about the suspensions. And, though, and so they lawyered up and they confronted the school administrators and said, unless you have actual film footage of my child committing acts of vandalism and destruction of property, the suspension, you need to lift it. The parents fought hard and they were desperate to protect their children's future. These young people had been uh, accepted at world-class colleges and universities and the parents were scared they'd lose it all. All those years of work down the drain. And I'm not sure what happened next because I think some sort of deals were struck. We never heard about any of this in the Boston Globe or the Boston Herald newspapers. No whiff of scandal. Somehow the whole thing magically was erased. And my first reaction at the time was a very curmudgeonly, why in my day, 
That never would have happened. When I was growing up, we behaved ourselves, and if we didn't, we paid for our mistakes. And maybe you're thinking, yeah, and my own children and grandchildren would never do that either. They're not that spoiled. They would never destroy property like they didn't even care. But you know, I, I've thought about this story over the years, and I'm haunted by it. I mean, of course I'm haunted by what the young people did, but it isn't anything new. Selfish, reckless behavior is as old as, as humankind. For thousands of years, human beings have craved wealth and influence and, and the trappings of success. They've craved it for themselves and they've craved it for their children. And for thousands of years, privileged children, when they mess up, as young people do, have had parents step in to fix it. So the story of a, of a smashed up cruise is really nothing new. But to me, this is not just a story about a group of privileged young people wasting gifts. Here's what I want to say. We all waste gifts. We all smash beautiful things whenever we live for ourselves alone, whenever we live in that grasping way. And I think that God must look down on humankind sometimes and see us all as children smashing plates and, and every one of our disagreements and grudges and wars, more plate smashing. Today in Mark's Gospel, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And he tells parables to describe what the world would look and feel like if God were in charge, if we believed and understood that God is in charge, a world that we can experience now when we follow Jesus. And, and, and that rowdy harbor cruise is the opposite of the kingdom of God. That cruise story is a story about money and status in charge, not God in charge. And I believe that Jesus was aware of these kinds of things too, because 2,000 years ago, the Roman occupiers ran Jerusalem, and a spoiled elite cared only for their own comfort and wealth and entertainment, and the majority of the people struggled simply to feed their families. In parable after parable, Jesus describes the opposite of that, the opposite of the Roman world. The opposite, as he describes it, is like a weed, <laughs> a mustard seed that grows into a mustard bush, a big scruffy weedy bush, a humble nothing of a plant. Jesus describes the kingdom of God, God's ideal world for us, not as something powerful and elegant, but he tells his listeners that a mustard plant is one that grows up and becomes the greatest of shrubs <laughs> and puts forth large branches. Why? 
so that birds of the air can make nests in its shade. This image turns the tables, reversing how we understand success. And it's, it's a reminder, I think, for all of us as we struggle and scrabble along in this world, in this material world, full of so many pressures and temptations, trying to get ahead of others, trying to accumulate wealth and power and recognition and status, trying to keep our children pain-free and consequence-free, trying to get from other people or other things what we think we need, trying to win somehow. Jesus is saying, there's another way to live, another kind of world to live in, a world that values who God has made us to be and values even this moment as enough. The story of the tiny mustard seed growing into a strong, proud weed <laughs> is Jesus almost teasing others, trying to shake us out of our obsessions, suggesting as he does that we ought to be weedier, <laughs> more humble, in love with simple things, with some sun and water, ready to grow. Speaking of growing, St. Paul planted many faith communities in lots of places, including Corinth. And as we heard today, after helping the people of Corinth get started, he moved on to other towns to plant other churches. And after he left, false teachers moved in and started spreading rumors and trashing his name all over town and his followers stopped trusting him, smashing the good work that they'd done together. And he wrote to them about it. That's what you heard Ola read this morning. You can hear Paul, heavy-hearted, trying to help them see again God's way, wanting them to understand that if we live only for ourselves alone, we are forever dissatisfied. We're restless. But, he writes, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. That's where we find new energy, new purpose, a new lease on life. And this is our hope. And this is an important caveat and good news, I think. We do not and cannot figure out how to be good all by ourselves. Thank goodness. We can't make ourselves be better than we are. Remember, left to our own devices, we are the people who smash things. Instead, Christ, through loving us, is ready to help make us new, ready to lead us 
into greater closeness and alignment with other people and most of all with God. Ready, that is, to reconcile us. Reconciling us means we don't have to live anymore like people on a harbor cruise smashing lovely things. Instead, we can reach deep into our pockets and find them full of mustard seeds, ready to grow. Amen. <laughs>